And welcome, Rugby Rant fans. It's your favorite time of the week. It's Rugby Rant time. I'm the big guy, Scott Ferrara. With me is Rob, the Hammer Hammerschmidt. And we actually have two guys on here uh, today. Unfortunately, our buddy Ty couldn't be with us. Um, but, you know, I think it's I think it's going to be a fun one. We got uh, <laughs> Derek Brissett. Uh, uh, check him out at uh, Brissett the Jet and uh, LaRouge Rugby. And later Sasquatch.com. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, hey, like I said, like I said before, we started recording. Guys, barbershops still aren't open here, so I mean, there's not not a whole lot I can do. <laughs> and Mikey's Almost. jealous, so he's trying to get the same look working. Yeah, I was called a better looking John Snow two weeks ago when I was playing rugby. <laughs> so I keep this going. Is that, was that is that supposed That's to be a chirp or a compliment? <laughs> I think it was a compliment. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. Did, you, did you back with the I heard better chirps from a dead bird. <laughs> I did not. Uh, yeah. For those of you who may may recognize Mike, welcome back, Mike, the Grand Poobah Parazzini, uh of the Rooster Boosters, uh, one of my buddies. Um, and, and we're here to debate some rugby, fellas, you know, and, um, you know, what, what we're going to do this week, I think, is a, is, is a good topic. It was chosen by the fans. Um, we're going over the 2021 MLR Awards. So for those fans that don't know, um, it's player of the year, forward of the year, back of the year coach of the year and then they also do the first 15 and the second 15 teams of the year um they only did them in 2020 and 2019 in the short 2020 season they did not go ahead with the awards because of the truncated season i mean you know it was only five matches how, how are we going to choose although if, you, if i had to pick i'd say player of the year for 2020 was nate Brakeley. call me a rudy homer um but before we no, get rudy into homer. that yeah, before we get into that, I just want to talk about our buddies at shopmlr.com. And you can see by Rob's awesome Utah swag he's wearing by my Gil Grody's hat. Um, you know, we we go to shopmlr.com often. Um, ShopMLR has the best merch available for all the MLR teams. Um, you know, it's quick, it's easy, new things come available. They every month they're changing up their stuff. Um, I think they just ran out of the Memorial Day. Uh, military appreciation swag um they had the mental illness uh mental health awareness rather uh shirts that came out last month um and looking into the uh going into the play rope uh playoff push they're going to have some uh playoff jerseys i think and playoff shirts I, i've seen coming out so shop mlr.com powered by the rugby shop go check them out for all your mlr needs and uh you know, the way it works is everybody's going to get 2 minutes to talk about the topic at hand that we just spoke about and uh if you well, over that two minutes, Rob, you get the cheese, baby. Rob has seen this card often uh, on the pitch and on the rent. Hey, listen, listen. You, you, you know, I got a bone to pick with you. I was doing a little research today, and quite frankly, uh, I, I was a little upset at the big guy earlier. My wife had to talk me down off the ledge. Uh, you know, you always talk about NOLA being this highly penalized team, and I'm looking at the stats today. I'm going, you know what? That's just not freaking true. They have the third least least penalties of all teams in the MLR right now. Count the cards. Count the cards. Well, they're not the most carded team for sure. Cards are one penalty. That's right. Thank you, Derek. (laughs) I think there were three. It's it's one. Yeah, but they had a span of three or four games where they were going averaging three cards a match. I mean, come on. That's that's, that's, that's the the ill discipline. Anyway, Rob's just mad because I I caught him last week and and him and Ty were in cahoots and he won the the rant last week for no apparent reason. 
Other than the fact that you brought that up he, the topic, you brought you, up the topic of developmental Rob, teams and academy teams. This is, this is just a little, little between between Mike and, and Derek. Rob will take something, go off topic, and for whatever reason, because Ty likes it, and even though it's not on topic, he will give the win to Rob. So thank God Ty's not here today, and you have an actual official. Um, you know, I, I got. I've learned coach. how to play the official, just as Scott has been doing for the last year. <laughs> I got coached up by our buddy Mike Lash, uh, MLR official. Uh, he gave me some tidbits and some tricks. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna get started. So again, like we said, the topic is the 2021 MLR awards. Who we think will be named Player of the Year, Forward of the Year, Back of the Year, and Coach of the Year. Derek, your two minutes starts now. Oh, two minutes to get through all that. All right, let's go. Okay, so Forward of the Year, I'm going. To be very on brand and say Lucas Rumball, if anybody's listened to my podcast, that is not a surprise <laughs> to anybody. Um, so Rumball, basically, he's near the top of the league in almost every stack category that it's matters for open side flanker. Um, tackles, carries, ruck arrivals. His work rate is off the charts insane. Of course, the one that really sets him apart from the rest of the league is the breakdown steals total. He has 22 steals on the year. If you combine the guy in second and third, they still can't catch him. Um, there's teams in Major League Rugby that don't have 22 breakdown steals this year. Um, so for that, that's why I kind of go with Lucas Rumble as the best forward, despite the fact that I know the counter argument to it is that he's on a team that's last in their division. But um, the for the back, um, I'm going to go with uh, Mikey Tao. I think Tao has kind of been the straw that stirs the drink in uh in utah and um like you know obviously you know incredibly dynamic with his counter attacking from from uh, the fullback position excellent like in-game tactical kicking as well he you know is among the league leaders in meters gained and you know just he's one of those players that's just super exciting to watch too like when mikey tail gets the ball you're on the edge of your seat because you know something and awesome is about to happen and it usually does and we saw a couple of those plays last week against Rooney as well um so article player of the year obviously you kind of in my mind you take that from the forward of the year the back of the year and then you kind of put them head to head um so I think obviously they're both great um I will say I think I got to give the edge to maybe Tao just because it, his team looks a lot more likely to make the playoffs, and he's going to be a major reason why they do it. Especially if you look at the standings, bonus points are a major reason why Utah's, you know, in the favorable position that they are. And bonus points come from offense, and Tao's the leader of that offense. Um, coach of the year, I think I'm going to give to uh, Scott Lawrence, and ultimately that is because Rugby ATL is really good, and I'm out of time, so Rugby ATL is really good. Scott Lawrence, Coach of the Year. <laughs> there you go i like it you know it, it, right on the dot like literally on the money gotta love Her, it hairy um, but disciplined yeah i got the last time i was on here man i learned learning from the mistakes <laughs> more disciplined than nola as we know um but yeah you're I talking about I, my dog i assume which is yeah, of course um, for those of you that don't know, Rob's dog uh, is named Nola. After he see the team named their the team after Rob's dog. People don't know that. That's a, <laughs> right, right. Falcons. Yeah. Yeah, the Falcons. Yeah. Falcon came up, saw the dog. Went. That's an awesome That's name. An awesome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, to go to Derek's picks, um, I think they're solid picks. Um, you know, watching Rumble in person, 
Um, yeah, he's you know he's poaching a lot. He's doing the little things, and you're right, his his work rate is insane, and it's quite reminiscent of what Nate Brakeley was doing last year in 2020 um, in the first five matches. Um, and Rumble has had the opportunity to do it throughout the year, so I could definitely see that. And Mikey Tail, let's be honest, for whatever reason, this is a this is a thing. Somebody for whatever reason called Mikey Tail fat online about I don't know <laughs> six, seven weeks ago, and uh, I know players really don't look at social media. But the next match, Mikey Tail scored a hat trick. Yeah. And has been going off ever since. So whether he's – it's just in the zeitgeist of, man, somebody was talking trash to me and, and I haven't seen it, but I are talking trash and I have to up my game. Or whether it's just, you know, Utah starting to gel at the right time and opening things up for, for guys like Tail when you have people like Mika Cruz and Cruze and all that. Um, so I, I think, you know, right now – if I had to guess, I'd say Mike and, and Rob might have chosen Mikey Teo as well. It might be a clean sweep of the uh, the the back of the year award. Um, but yeah, those are all great. And you're right, Scott Lawrence had a great ATL team. Um, you know, the three the last three matches, or let's go back. Well, now we're talking five matches, three matches winning in a row. Tough loss to Rooney, winning again this week, um, staying atop of the table. Um, Rooney does have a game in hand on them, but. We're going to see how that uh, – I believe Atlanta has one of the easier schedules now uh, going into the playoff push, so we're going to see where they're going to be at at uh, the end of the year. Uh, those are great. Loved it, Derek. Uh, Mikey, your two minutes starts now, buddy. All right. So our same thing. I had, you know, my – picked my MVP from my back and my forward, and so I picked my forward, which is Butch. So for those that know, don't know, Dylan Fawcett, I'll be a homer, was my MVP and my forward. And I think it's because, you know, he's definitely the most valuable player on the team. Uh, definitely a driving force, a solid scrummager, uh, incredibly versatile. You've seen, you know, how he does that in the little chip and chase that he can do, which is just phenomenal. Uh, an incredible leader and is one of the leading scorers in, you know, all of the MLR, you know. So he's definitely up there in, you know, best players. Uh, backs, I also picked Mikey Teo, um, you know, anchor of that back line at Utah, an incredibly dynamic player. If you looked at that game against Rooney this past week, you know, he came in and he was a real difference maker in, you know, running the ball, you know, running it down Rooney's throat. Um, and he's got that connection with Mika Cruz that, you know, who knows if, you know, Mika Cruz has the incredible year that he has without Mikey Teo. And then for my coach, I picked Marty Veal, coach of Rooney. Um, I think he had to step up when Greg Williams stepped down. Um, he's helped to create, you know, a nice, incredible winning atmosphere at Rooney. And, you know, they've brought in a lot of new players that he's kind of fit in and, you know, put guys where they need to be. Look at, you know, you got four guys that were picked for the USA um, team. One, you know, one uh, Fawcett, who's not going to travel, but three guys are traveling. You've got Quinn Naguati, who is going to be at Canada. You got Wilton Rabolo, who's going to be playing for Brazil. So you've got these guys, they kind of fit everyone in. And, you know, Quinn's getting his first cap for Canada, hopefully. And so, you know, they, we found, you know, Quinn and put him in the right spot. My backup, actually, since I'll name it, is uh, Chris Silverthorne from Toronto. I think he's done an incredible job with Toronto. In the circumstances that the, he's given, they haven't had a true home game this year. And so it's been incredibly tough. And, the, you know, the losses they have have been very close. So that's who I'm going to go with for my uh, my four players and coach of the year and i think it's interesting you guys are picking um your either your forward or your back to be the mvp and you know that's that's 
interesting because in 2019, um, going back to the players they picked, Brad Tucker was picked as player of the year. The forward of the year was, I, I prefaced it with Australian Patty Ryan, not to be confused with Irish Patty Ryan, who was really that year. Australian Patty Ryan of San Diego. Back of the year was J.P. Duplessis on San Diego that year, and coach of the year was Rob Holdley, San Diego coach at the time. Um, so, you know, they they did not uh, – Brad Tucker was not the back of the year. He was just the, the player of the year, and they, they had a separate back of the year. So it's interesting you guys are doing it that way. Um, not to fault you. I, I wouldn't take any points away from you on that point. Um, but I just like two homer picks. Um, yeah, well, Rob, two, two of these things are not like the other. Um, these guys are younger and way better looking. Uh, but seriously, I think you know it's fun to to have those. I made like fine wine, dude. <laughs> yeah, tastes like vinegar. Um, <laughs> I think it's good to have those Homer picks. I'm killing Rob today, baby. I'm killing Rob. Uh, but it's it's fine to have those Homer picks, and and I think Dylan Fawcett is a perennial uh, top fifteen player at his just position. In the- I'll try not to. It's tough. <laughs> You are snack, Rob. We've heard, people, we've heard people in the New York area have been gone missing, so that was a little weird. <laughs> yeah, the Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> um, but uh, seriously, uh, Butch is a good is a good pick um, for you know not just to be a homer. I mean, let's you know let's talk about what he does, um, the way he inspires the team, the way he captains the team, the way he puts himself out there, and then his play when he shows up in the scrum, when he does those little things to help Rooney out on uh, the offensive side of the board and the defensive side of the board. You know, plays. You know, he's not afraid to get his head dirty. And listen, Mikey. Teo again, like I said, I think I thought we might have a clean sweep. We might not. We're going to find out soon with with Hammer. But I do think uh, Marty Veal is an interesting option as the coach of the year. And you're right, you know, having some not controversy, but just you know, to test himself to say, you know, I'm an assistant coach. The head coach has to leave two weeks before the season, and now it's kind of put on me. And not having an attack coach, I want to say the first what Mike Mike P what like five weeks, six weeks, yeah, close to um, five weeks. Yeah, until Marty Bork was was named um, attack coach, and then still you have you have to, it would take at least two weeks to fully implement an attack. So let's say, you know, six to eight weeks of a team that's that's a lot of the guys are new, and your attack, you know, your coach is left. And and for those of you that don't know, Greg McWilliams was the previous attack coach for the USA Eagles. So I mean, a lot of that experience on the attack was coming from that head coach. Um, so it's an interesting pick, and I mean, at the end of the season, depending on who wins, it could be between Scott Lawrence or Marty Veal. Um, you know, let's let, we'll see who can who can make it to the to the finals. Um, and now it's uh, it's our buddy Rob's turn. Rob, your two minutes starts now. Yeah, so I definitely yeah. went in a di- different direction, and that would be I did not pick my MVP as out of one of my forwards or backs. Uh, the other thing that I did differently is, um, you know, unlike my uh, compadres here who were total homers and picking some of their own. Uh, 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 members of the teams in which they support. I did not, you know, pick a guy from NOLA, although Cam D- Cam Dolan certainly deserves some consideration for the heads-up play he had in the last couple of games that ultimately led to some wins. Nevertheless, I'm going with my forward. Uh, I've been giving Angus Cottrell love all year long. I think he's been absolutely stellar. Nine tries, second in the league, you know, out of your blindside flanker. Uh, he does the dirty work. He does the, you know, he's there for the offload. He's there to, you know, pick and go, you know, in the A gap, as Scott likes to talk about when nobody's, you know, when nobody's uh, watching the post. Um, 396 meters carried, a ton of meters carried for a forward, uh, uh, 66 tackles, um, and a hundred. 942 minutes. I mean, unreal over 12 games. I mean, just his workload is, is amazing. Um, so we like forwards to work hard. And I think he's the epitome of that not to take anything away from, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a guy like Lucas Rumble. I think he's outstanding, but you know, um, 
Angus is one of the engines that make uh, makes uh, LA go. Uh, my back, uh, I'm agreeing with my my guys here, Mikey Tail, um, and and you know, eight try assists or nine try assists, 984 minutes over 13 games, and I think he's been the spark to lead those four comeback wins that they've had. So um, you know, that's something important. Um, I'm going to go with my coach next. Uh, I'm going with Scott Lawrence. Um, a, a lot of things to point to. You know, he has his team first in turnover tackles. Um, he has his team uh, first in turnovers uh, one and uh, second with 93% scrum. Um, you know, I, I think, and, and, you know, defense has been extremely well organized. Scott talked about it early in the season. Defense is the most difficult thing to get organized straight away. And I think Scott Lawrence has really brought that part of their game around considerably which has been keys to their victories. And then finally, I'm going to go with my MVP. I'm going to go with DTH. Um, you know, he's not your prototypical winger that just goes out and scores tries from, from the, you know, wide channels. That guy comes in and finds work. And, and you, you literally watch, and, and when you're the opposition, you go, uh-oh, you know, DTH is going to find a gap. DTH is going to find a spot. He's going to, he's going to be exploding right now. Just watch out. And he's just somebody that you worry about all the time in the pitch. You got to identify where he's at. You got to mark him up. You got to be aware of him. And for me, that's something that's important to remember uh, about uh, DTH 10, 10 games, 731 minutes, 50 points, 10 tries, 820 minutes carried. I mean, an amazing work rate and a good in defense too. 43 tackles. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, Again, I think all all of you guys have, have picked solid picks on the player side. Um, you know, the the, the coaching side, um, I think we're a little lopsided on the East Coast because we're all East Coast guys. So I would like yeah. to, I'd say honorable mention uh, that could could you know be it depending on how the 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 uh, West turns out. Sam Harris of the AGs. I mean, you know, I think they yeah. still have the number one defense in the league. Um, and and you're talking about a team that, from what was happening in the end of 2019 into 2020 from going from the herd to the elite for two weeks to the Gilgronies. And then a 2020 season that really was most considered a disaster to be quite honest of, of how it was going um, to, to come back, have a turnaround, you know, go on some runs, hold some high scoring teams to very low scoring uh, matches and low scoring finals. Um, you know, Sam Harris has coached up that team. And, and I'd honestly, I'd pick, um, what was that Rob? Well, I was going to say, and to add credence to what you're saying, because I agree, Sam Harris deserves a lot of credit. Credit. Um, they dealt with a lot of injuries this year, and, and he was able to figure out a lineup that was able to cover up for some of those injuries and still have an effective defense, still have an effective attack. So, um, you know, all, all credit to him and, and the work that he and the staff have done there. And to to add another AGs, I think you could put Jamie McIntosh up there for forward of the year. I mean, his scrummage has just been insane. Uh, to be quite honest, um, it, it was hard. Every every time I've spoken to somebody who's gone up against him this year, and you guys know I love my props, so I, I find I find him online and and I talk to him like crazy, and I ask him who's the hardest guy uh, they're scrummaging against right now, and I, like ninety five percent of the people will say when they play Gilgronies. If McIntosh is in the game, it was Jamie McIntosh. Um, so I think just from a scrummaging standpoint, uh, you know, I know we like to give look at the forwards and players of the year as those guys who are offensive drivers, um, you know, like the flankers and 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 people like that, the eight men. Um, but I think Jamie McIntosh could be up there for that. And then, um, gosh, I was looking at uh, I was looking at um, maybe, and it, it was it's might have it's a late come on. But John Ryberg for LA has been friggin' killing it, um, scoring 
almost at will sometimes uh, in some of these matches. And I don't know if that's just because they get in and uh, such an early lead. And it's just kind of like that baseball rule where that guy hits that home run in the eighth and they were already up by eight runs, but it seems as though Johnny Ryberg like DTH it just is, is, is like a master on the field. And I think that's part of the team that they, they play on, but it's also a part of the individual effort they give and that free flowing, that free flowing rugby they play is based upon that step and that and finding that line. And, and I think maybe think about this uh, is that John Ryberg is finding his way around the pitch with that team. I mean, think about coming to that team as, as a young American guy with a, a, a lot of, you know, well-vetted Aussies. Right. And, and you're kind of might be a little bit intimidated and maybe now he's finding his footing in that team and figured out his place and figured out his role. And it's really allowed him to shine. And, uh, I have a, a specific question for Derek here. So, Derek, if you had to pick the best Canadian that wasn't Lucas Rumball playing right now uh, in the MLR, be you know, was, it's actually kind of funny. Um, I guess listening to uh, what Mike and Rob have kind of suggested, I was like, I, I made like a couple notes on players I would pick, and I, guess, I don't think we're too far off in the line of thinking. No. Um, I yeah, I would DTH has to be up there if you're talking like the best Canadian in the league. I mean, it's tough to argue the guy that's leading the league in try scoring right especially if you're coming in from like the perspective of that's a winger and you know like that's a winger and that's your job is to score but it's like like you kind of said scott like he's you know or rob um he's one of those guys that you know, he goes and look like looks for work like around the pitch and he hits a lot of rucks he you know both on the offensive and defensive side if you know if a team attacks the edge he's very good defensively to make those tackles um, unreal pink hair right now. So that's some yes. sort of bonus points. Um, so I'm, exactly right. It's like best hair in the league. Um, but it's, uh, so I mean, like, I think that's kind of one of those things. I mean, he was, he was the leading try score for like the last decade in the pro 14, right? So it's something that I think you can kind of expect from him. Um, did you say not Lucas Rumball or not Toronto Arrows? You just said not Rumball. I would yeah, just not Rumball, yeah. Yeah, so I would throw I would throw Ben Lesage in there too. Um, probably one of, in my opinion, he's probably one of the best defensive centers in Major League Rugby. Um, I know Rob, you probably appreciated that battle that uh, he had with JP Duplessis on the weekend. That was a lot of weekend. Um, and uh, yeah, like I think that's kind of the two guys that I would go. I like as Mike brought up Quinn Nawadi. Um, he's you know he's definitely getting a cap um he has to basically especially if uh spencer jones is hurt now nawadi has to be the guy for uh for canada and um you know like i i, I like what um bruni's kind of done with him like the fact that yeah now yeah. He, they've put him on the wing they put him at center kind of expand his horizons a little bit been uh really impressed by by him too and um just going off also what mike said because i know he he's because he mentioned chris silverthorne and yeah like what the arrows have had to go through this season is 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 nuts quite frankly and um you know what silverthorne's been able to do to kind of you know put a team on the pitch and i think if you extend that head coach of the year thing to gm of the year if we did gm of the year it's no question it's mark winnaker um, nobody's had to relocate a team. You're going to lose. They have to sign all these guys just because they're going to lose 13 players to international duty between Uruguay and Canada. Now, um, you know, trying to find guys like Liam Murray to come in on loan and working with other teams. Um, just the fact that no matter what the record is, it's just the fact that the arrows have played 
and manage or manage to finish the season gets Mark Winokur the GM of the Year award in my mind. Um, and you know, any any wins that come, no matter what the record ends up being, I'm not going like, to I'm not going like, to waver off of that statement. But, um, but yeah, that's not so. Those those would be like my Canadian, I guess, shoutouts. Can, can I just say, if there's one takeaway, and as Derek was talking about it, just kind of resonated in my mind. Like I don't know that three years ago I could have named one player in. Uh, on the the uh, rugby Canada roster, yeah, you know, and and and, fair, and and I don't mean to disrespect the yeah. team Canada, right? I, what what I'm saying is I was very uh, USA centric, right? I knew the guys in the USA roster, but what's been so great about the MLR has been the number of Canadians that have proliferated and done incredibly well throughout yeah. the league and really uh, let their talents be shown. And so now I can't wait to watch them, you know, in England and against Wales. Because I really know who to look for. Look for Lesage. You know, I can't wait to watch, um, you know, Nwadi play and get an opportunity to get a cap. I mean, I, I think that's one of the other ancillary benefits of the league is just being able to know more about our our neighbors to the north and and to be able to watch those those guys grow and play and and you know, along with the United States, hopefully get up into that tier one status. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, I remember in 2019 before the like the Arrows first season, it's like you could reading some of the stuff from American news outlets having like the Arrows be like we're going to they're going to finish last. And it's like reading some of them being less like you guys know like this team's like half of team Canada, like they're going to they're going to be fine. Obviously they ended up making the playoffs in their first year. Um this year didn't go as according to plan, but you know, what can you do? Um but I do agree with your point in general too cuz even like having um, the Uruguayan players on the arrows, uh, like, you know, getting to meet like Leandro Livas, Gaston Mirez, Manuel Diana, and, you know, having like a pint with them or whatever after the game, realize how great of guys they are. It's like, yeah, when it came to like the World Cup and other international matches, I'm totally like when Uruguay plays, I'm now like, oh, I need to watch the game because Uruguay is playing and stuff. So I agree with the, the sense of like it does open up the horizons a little bit because now you know even if you if you have like a player on your team that you really like and it's like they're going to go play internationally whether that's for canada the usa uruguay argentina namibia germany whichever countries in the league it's like you want to tune in to watch your guys now too so that is a benefit i would agree with that yeah and i think a guy like quentin wadi what people don't realize is he's almost running that rooney defense believe it or not coming in as a guy first year playing in rooney um, hasn't played union in a long time being on the wolf pack um, you know to come in and and start to call the defense on the wing and, and me and mike have witnessed it uh, firsthand his his great tackling ability um, and he does he's not afraid to go in and dth i have to say when rooney played la D- i only saw dth make one mistake at the end on a kick where he came up a little too far and the yeah. kick ended up yeah. facing the game other than that he played an almost perfect game on the wing for la against rooney um, and that's something you don't see quite often. You know, sometimes you see wingers drift. Sometimes you don't, you see him make the wrong call and, and he made every right call except for that one time, you know, on the 79th minute, he didn't drift from his position. Um, and, and it was, it was a sight to see, you know, a couple other players I want to talk about real quick. Um, and, and, and you guys, when, you know, when I'm done, you can either tell me I'm wrong or things like that. Carl Denison, um, Carlo, he, he, sneaky 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 good um with all the the injuries san diego has had for him to step up and and play that nine and honestly almost unflappable and we're seeing san diego come in and you know they had a a tough match against la but playing other competition and when they're fully healthy you know they're giving people fits and i think carl denison playing through the (laughs) good 
good one, Scott. The through line of Carlton Nyson playing through all those matches, being a young nine for a San Diego team that, you know, everybody thought is going to be loaded and is going to do, you know, amazing things and, and to fight through those injuries and still have his head high, I think is a, is a player we need to watch and talk about. Yeah, and and I'd like to add to that. I think that's a really interesting call, Scott, to, because to be honest with you, you know, you watch Colorado uh, when they were still in the league, and and Carlo had to sit behind Sean Davies, right? I mean, you know, that's a difficult spot to be in, but he's really got an opportunity to shine right now, and 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 I'm uh, uh, just thrilled for the kid, you know, because he's he is a a, a great kid. He's a, a, a unique talent. And uh, another guy I wanted to talk about, Sal Malolo. Uh, hooker for uh, Utah. Uh, interesting. Um, another guy who who like Butch is he puts in his effort. He scores a lot, quite a lot. Um, and his work on the lineouts has helped Utah win games and, and keep their their second place status there. I mean, I think he was almost perfect in this match um, uh, against Rooney. Believe it or not, uh, with his throws. So the lineout was the, uh, was like ninety eight percent or something ridiculous. Um, but I also think um, again talking about Utah, Michael Bosca. Basque has been playing lights out. Um, yeah, I, there's like so many guys I could mention that like in the last three or four matches of the season, if they get hot, they can be a name. You know, I don't think anybody that we mentioned, even Mikey Teo, if Mikey Teo cools off, you know, maybe he's really not that 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 uh, back of the the year. Um, you know, so I think it's kind of a wide open competition right now. What do you guys think? Oh yeah, I think. Um... You know, the last last three weeks, a lot can happen. The last three, four weeks, what do we have? Um, but yeah, a lot, a lot can happen for sure, right? And obviously, you're, you're going to have the uh, the internationals too, right? So a lot right. of those guys, like like Teal Rumble, like um, you know, every, every all the Eagles, all the Team Canada guys, like they're all gone. So every team is going to have to be looking for uh, for somebody to step up and you know take that take their place, right? So some of these tight playoff races, it's like the guys that are going to get the teams there are probably you know, guys that maybe are coming off the bench or maybe not even playing right now because they're going to have to step up at the most important time of the season too. Yes, probably be guys that either, you know, they didn't get picked for their respective countries or, they, you know, they're left behind and they're they're going to play their hearts out because they're saying, you know, I got to show why I should be picked in the future. And so hopefully you see, you know, a lot of, you know, good effort from guys that, you know, Hopefully they are the future. Maybe they're making not making the you know a tour next year, but maybe in two years or something like that. That really they're trying to prove to themselves and to you know whoever is the coach that you know I deserve to be on a national team. I deserve you know to have that spot. Let me show you how how it's done and how I do it. So hopefully we see some some guys that you know maybe not necessarily in the running, but you know close get their their spot to shine. Well, I definitely think that I agree. The fact that internationals call-ups will be happening soon in these final couple of weeks is definitely going to open up the doors with respect to some of these awards. Um, you know, for me, Angus Cottrell is still going to be there. He's obviously not getting called up, but, you know, uh, Teo uh, potentially. Um, so uh, I, I actually, on another, on another note, um, you know, a guy that speaks to exactly what Derek and Mike talked about uh, that I, I'm anxious to see uh, get a get a starting role a little bit more frequently or a lot more frequently is a guy, Devin Short, down in NOLA. I mean, of course, everybody knows I'm a NOLA fan, but, you know, uh, Devin's been coming off the bench as kind of an impact player, you know, a finisher. Um, and, you know, they had high expectations for him when they traded for him. Um, and I think he'll have an opportunity to really uh, shine pretty brightly and and own that seven spot potentially, or at least you know make a, make a case for it. Definitely. And uh, here's here's a question. 
Um, I th- I correct me if I'm wrong. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, Utah is losing both of their nines right to uh, to USA yeah. play, right? Am I right about that? USA and Canada play, but yes, yeah, Canada, yeah. USA. <laughs> sorry, if, I, I I we we talk about uh, USA and rugby Canada so often. It's like if they had it, in my head, it's one big North American team. Um, so my question: Does Sean Davies put on the nine for Utah? <laughs> <laughs> he might. He might. Well, what what is the actual plan? Because they had uh, Christensen play behind Hurst last week. Is that like the plan going forward to kind of use yeah, Christensen? I, I believe, yeah, I believe so. I think they have a uh, Christensen um, behind Hurst um, and Hurst and Bosca gone. I think Christensen and let's. I mean, looking at the, I think um, Loopser, even though he's a fly half, I think he can play scrum. So I, I think in in their head, you know, he can play the ten, and if he has to come out on at the nine, he can. But, but um, maybe do you take him out of do you take him out of that role in order to play nine? I mean, uh, Lobster has been so effective. And what I mean, I don't think you take him out of that role to start. I think, in case of emergency, break glass and you throw him in at nine. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, fair fair point. I mean, it happened. It happened at Rooney when Rooney had Holland's head uh, get injured before they could get Harry Bennett in, and Holland's head was there. You know, they moved. They they what was it? They moved. Um, I think it was they. They ended up moving. Foden down to nine and Ellis over to 10, you know, cause Harry Bennett wasn't on the, Harry Bennett wasn't on the, the, the squad. So, I mean, yeah, but that was another point of, you know, break glass in case of emergency. I don't think it was planned just so happened. And then I'm pretty sure Mike Lash uh, made sure that Ben Foden knew how to put in uh, the ball. <laughs> play the nine, play the nine position. Yeah. Yeah. yeah ben, ben Foden goes, yeah, I've done this before, mate. Um, so, you know, I think it's, uh, I, I think it's just one of those uh, break glass in case of emergency type deals. Um, but it's interesting. You never know. They could put Sean Davies on the coach uh, player uh, uh, line, make him a, a per diem player in, in that uh, in that role. Uh, it would be interesting. Um, old school hockey, like a slap shot, you know. Um, but it's led. It's it's fun. I love to I love to think about it. That was a, that was actually something I got to give a shout out to Doug Coyle, DJ Rugby or DJ Coyle Rugby. Um, Doug Coyle was me and him were talking about it at the at the Rooney Utah match. It was interesting. Anyway. Um, you know, I really have to think hard about who's going to win this one. It's kind of going to be, it's going to be tough. Um, you know, Rob, I think has won the last two. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Rob. Um, even even the last one was kind of iffy, is what it is. So before, before, let me take a, let me take, let me take some time to think about it before we come in and give you guys the answer of who won this rant. We're going to take a short break and listen to a word from our sponsors. Rugby Coffee was born out of two passions: providing ethically sourced coffee and promoting the growth and development of rugby. By combining these two passions, the folks at Rugby Coffee see an opportunity to bring people together. And together, we can make a difference. Rugby Coffee invests 10% of their profits in giving kids opportunities to play rugby and projects that help uplift communities. These endeavors have been transformational in many kids' lives and uplifted and empowered these communities. The boys at Rugby Coffee have launched three distinct brews, which you can pre-order right now as we speak. Jouet Jouet, Champions Cup and Crowd Favorite, which is a mild North American blend. Each brew has its own unique style and flavor. Get your brew, pre-order now, while you have the opportunity, and support youth rugby. A simple vision can be transformational. Rugby as a sport can inspire communities, bring hope, and provide opportunity. Rugby coffee, it's not just a game, it's a way of life. And welcome back, Rugby Rant fans. Um, You know, I I still need some time to think, to be quite honest. So before Mm -hmm. I tell you, 
who's who's the winner. Um, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes. Check us out on Spotify. We put out everything in an audio platform as well. And follow us on all social media on all platforms at Rugby Rant Pod. I do some awesome TikToks. Um, yeah, I'm that guy. I do TikToks. It's fun. <laughs> Um, I, I find some good ones. I, yeah, what I've been doing lately is finding some good ones and relating them to rugby. Um, so it's, it's really fun. So again, please follow us on all social media at rugby rant pod. We love to interact with our fans. Um, and, uh, man, I know, I know hammer is going to be pissed off at me right now. Cause he's, yeah, you, you didn't pick me to win. Cause you just hate me or whatever it is. But unfortunately I don't think, I don't think the hammer won today and it, it wasn't because of his picks. Um, I think it was just, um, I think, I think, I think that the, the person who won just kind of had a better feel for it. Um, and, and Mike's not going to like me either. So I might get thrown a beer on me. Uh, Derek, you won. Congratulations. Thank you. Oh. Thank you. Appreciate it. Can Mikey you uh, P, just don't make it an expensive beer. Okay. Absolutely not. <laughs> you Utica you Club, a, a nice upstate New York beer. <laughs> There you go. That sounds nice. Can you send up that juggernaut of a trophy that Rooney has? Now? Yeah, I'm great with that. Yeah. Hey, can can I just say how awesome was that cup? Oh, I love I love it. I love. It. I feel bad for the shield, to be honest. Yes. It's, yeah, it's it's the most important trophy, but it's slowly becoming the least and least cool trophy. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. No, that, that thing was massive, man. What it's you needed like four guys to carry it. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And it has handles. It actually has built-in handles because it's oh, yeah, hard to you hold. Need it. You need it, man. You need it. Like just as like, you and know, I, I, as the guy from the country with the the Stanley Cup is the champion of like the biggest sport there. If the trophy isn't at least four feet tall and able to hold at least seven beers, not a trophy. <laughs> not a trophy. I'm sorry, it's not a trophy. Well, and and I thought it was a stay. I thought they were going to pull the Stanley Cup out of that box at first. I'm like, that's a massive box for a trophy. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Apanisa Kakalavu was, was had picked it up, and at one point, it just like slips in his hands a little bit. I'm like, God forbid you get injured because you were holding up the champagne cup, you know. But, uh, it it but, yeah. makes sense why they didn't bring it with them. I only didn't bring it with them. It's just too big, you know. It takes up three seats. I well, yeah. I wonder how much the shipping would have been monumental. Exactly. It had to fly first thing. class. Yeah, everybody's worried about LA's players. It's the shipping bill that actually goes over the side. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, congratulations on your win. I think it's your first. I don't think you won the first time you were on. No, I definitely um, not. I, got, I think I got like two yellow cards the last time I was on. I definitely did not win. But congratulations on your win. And as always, it just makes me happy when the hammer loses. But please remember, catch us on TRN every Friday night. Um, we, we come out with our RAN episodes Friday on TRN. Follow us on Facebook at Rugby Rant Pod if you want to catch a sneak peek of that episode, which includes our game analysis um, on Thursday nights. You get a sneak peek or follow us, watch us on TRN. Also, check us out Monday nights on our Facebook at Rugby Rant Pod. We do interviews every Monday night. This past Monday night, we interviewed Stan South of OGDC. It was a great interview. Stan's a great guy. Um, thank you so much for watching, guys. We appreciate it. I'm Scott the Big Guy Ferrar. That's Rob the Hammer Hammer Schmidt. For Mike the Grand Poobah Perizzini, Derek Brissett, <laughs> who couldn't be here. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll see you at the next. 
And we're back, Rugby Rant fans. You know, it's uh, it's that game analysis time, and, and the game we picked this week was uh, Utah at Rugby United New York at Cochrane Field in New Jersey. The battle of the number twos at the time, and actually still right now, both teams are still uh, the respective number twos in their conference, still fighting for that playoff spot with teams hot on their heels. Um, I know Rob was happy that Rudy did not get the win. Uh, <laughs> score being Utah 29, Rudy 28. Um, I, I could have been happier had they not scored four tries and kept it within seven, but you know, I'll take yeah, it that was, at this point. Yeah, that was my next comment. You know, the net the net gain of two points, uh, you know, hurts hurts uh, Nola, but you know, Rudy's not always the best with bonus points, so we'll see. So I think uh, it was a, it, in my mind, it was a hard fought game. It was a great game. Uh, by Utah. It was a great game by Rooney, even though Rooney seemed to be ill-disciplined at times. Um, I think it was it was the tale of both teams playing the rugby they play and just who who was going to score last at the end, uh, to, to be quite honest. So I want to pass it over to Derek on his thoughts about the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would, I agree with that completely. I think, like, Ro- Rooney, play, like, there's nothing really that I say that's like, oh, Rooney did this terribly and that's why they lost. Or, But you know, I think I think one of the biggest things in this game to me, you mentioned the the ill discipline of Rooney at times, and most the vast majority of their penalties were just at the scrum though, and that was there was a lot of you know Utah's scrum I thought was outstanding, um, constantly kind of putting pressure on Rooney and drawing all those penalties, which I think did allow Utah to kind of flip the pitch a little bit, control the territory throughout the match, as well as kind of maintain a lot of the possession, but. Um, but ensure that the game was being played more, more so in Rooney's end. And I think, you know, even Utah, even you kind of used the scrum. There was Rooney had that, um, in my opinion, the pretty great goal line stand kind of toward the end of the game, um, before the the Utah scored their final try. And I guess the, what kind of turned it there is after they got the, the knock on and the turnovers at the scrum. You know, um, Utah puts in a lot of pressure at the scrum, kind of starts to turn it a little bit. um, Sumption has to take it out. Not really sure if that's exactly what Rooney wants to do in that situation, but you have the eight man have to carry it out. And then Foden's clearance kick is pretty good. Probably not as good as you would like. And then they score on the mall off the next line out. But it's the scrum that kind of put the pressure on that kind of maybe forced Rooney into running a play that they didn't necessarily want to run. I think ultimately, I think, like you said, Scott was like, both these teams played quite well. I just, I think the scrum is the difference. And I think it kind of shined, showed on that last play to even kind of give them a chance to win after a good defensive stand by Rooney. And you talk about the scrum and, and the first two scrums uh, Utah had were actually penalties to Rooney because yeah, they're engaged. Very uh, true. Starting, yeah. Too quick off the call. Um, I also know something with Scott, Scott's green cadence is he like has a little hiccup on the last call for whatever reason. I think it takes teams time to get used to that if they don't have Scott Green constantly. I know Rooney and Utah, you know, I think um I forgot who was who was telling us. Um I think it was Stan South um in our interview last on Monday was saying, you know, he, he appreciates how you're always getting different referees and different referee um 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 uh, ARs and things like that. And the team's a little bit different every time. You're not always getting the same referee. So you can work on things and, and change things. And if you're not used to Scott Green, that that's probably why that caused that hiccup. But once they got that timing down, you know, they did put a ton of pressure on the scrum. Um, you know, from what I saw, I was in the stand. So, you know, you don't get to see every angle and things like that. Um, I did see Paul Mullen pulling down the scrum a bunch of times. Um, wasn't wasn't 
of course, it's never on the side of the referee. So if, if Scott Green doesn't see it, how is he going to call it? And you know, I'm in the stands, but you know, the, I don't think that would have made made or make that would be the make or break uh, of the match. But I do think for Paul, for Paul Mullen, he played a very undisciplined match. Um, he went, he he essentially. I mean, there's no law against it, but you know, people are calling it a kind of a, you know, a play that they they didn't want to see where he just took his head and rammed it into uh, uh, Dylan Fawcett's ribs to clear him out. And it, one, it's dangerous that he even did that to himself, but two, it just felt like you know he was kind of targeting an open area on a player that you didn't necessarily need to do that. And then he open hand slaps. Um, <laughs> I think it was Ben Bonasso. Yeah, that was yeah. that was a super weird play. I didn't for and, seemingly yeah. like no purpose or reason too it was yeah, and then he gets funny i'm sitting there watching the match with preston right and we're sitting there and i watch it and i go wait a minute did he just bitch slap him he bitch slapped him and then he got a yellow for it and i'm like really for that scott I mean, green was like half a foot away from him when he did it like, yeah like it you can't you can't ignore it it's no but how many times have you done that in a game where it's just a little you know hargy bargy that that happens as a part of a game and you know an official all have to do is say hey i'm watching you next time you do that you're gonna get the card but i mean it was an open hand slap rather than a fist but here's here's the thing though you know according to the law even if you swing uh on somebody and miss you're still getting a card um which ben Bonasso was on the wrong side of that you know in week three so i think it's just it's automatic card now and then you saw um angus mcclellan come on and then paul mullen just never made a return so i don't know if he was just tired or something and wanted to get off but i think you're right derek i think the difference was the scrum and like i said even though i thought some scrum penalties should have went a different way i don't think it would have made a difference at all in what the final score was so mikey what do you what do you think of your game analysis we were sitting close to each other mike uh, me and mike were yes. almost holding each other uh, crying at the end of the match, but you know, I just it just seemed like Rooney was on the back foot the entire match. He never really had complete control, and it seemed like the vast majority of the game was played inside their fifty and even inside their own twenty-two. And even with those, you know, those brilliant plays that they had, you know, that that great try by Appy, and you know, with with the, those passes inside that you know, right into where those gaps were, or you know, the offloads from Foden. Um, that eventually went to uh, to Bettina, who then went to Bennett. Like those were, you know, great lightning plays. But it was still, even without that, they still didn't have, you know, they didn't seem to be running properly. Something was off. I think part of it had to do with all the injuries they had, especially in that pack. You know, we as mentioned, we lost Fawcett very early, within the first five minutes, I think, and that's that's a real killer. And then asking, you know, Wilton to play for, you know, 60 plus minutes. And then, you know, you had Samu playing for what, close to 70 minutes. You had so, so yep. that entire front line, you know, almost played an entire game, which was in, insane to ask for, you know, a prop, most prop, you know, in, in hookers, you're playing 60 minutes, but, you know, they really pushed yeah, it to the max. To interrupt you, Samu played 75 minutes yep. before he was taken yep. off the field at prop at, 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 uh, at tight head. Um, so that's, that's was- interesting. And that was for blood. That wasn't even like yeah. a tactical decision. Yeah. Like he probably no. he could have maybe play eighty. Maybe I don't know if he would have, but like he was approaching that because he mm-hmm. didn't. That wasn't his coach's decision to come off. That no. was Scott Green telling him he had to go off. Yeah, because yeah, I, I think at, at that point, the third time he had to be wrapped up, and Scott Green was like, "You have to yeah. get it done on the same line." Also, the the two real killers to me were the net zero points when we had that yellow card. Um, we, you know, we end up getting that try and then they come, come right, right back and get a try. So, you know, net zero, when we've got a man up 
you should well, be, you know, that's where you should be building your lead. Technically, we scored. Harry Bennett scored his try right after um, Paul went off the field. Yeah, but then I don't think we scored again after that. No, no, we didn't. And they they scored one on us. I think while he he was. Uh, yeah, on. So I it think was, it was a net. It was a net zero. Um, and then two. so right forward, yeah. We sh- we should have been going up on that. And then to me, the the real killer and like the nail in the coffin where I was like, come on, let's hold on to this. But we kind of did it was that Mikey Teo penalty play in the second half. Where you know he just pushes it outside. No one's really paying attention to what's going on. You know they take advantage of kind of Rooney, you know, sucking wind and being a little you know lollygagging. And he saw the opening play. He he was fresh at the time because Utah made the right you know subs at the right time, and Rooney just takes advantage of that. And at that point, I, I was looking at you know the clock the entire time, going like, all right, do you, can we hold on for another ten minutes? Can we hold on for another five minutes? Or are we going to you know be able to sustain that? And it, it just didn't seem like we could. Yeah, I mean, and you talk about that last sequence of plays, um, you know, Nate Brakely getting uh, around the 60th minute, getting his card, um, Utah scoring right after that. I think it was Lobzer uh, scoring like directly after that. Um, then Rooney holding them until uh, Nate comes back on to finish it out. But Mika Cruze scores at that 77th minute. And to go back with, to what Derek was saying about Kyle Sumption taking that um, ball, you have to realize too is they had um, they had Connor Buckley in it at the nine. Um, Connor Buckley, I think, has had like five minutes cumulative playing time in the MLR at this point. You know, he hasn't been able to get that playing time. So I think it was just an eight man, you know, doing one an eight man and Kyle Sumption being a, a veteran player to move it up. And then to be honest, what Connor Buckley does after that is actually a great play, even though the kick is kind of suspect because everybody was setting up for Bennett to kick the ball and on the open field and he goes to the short side to Ben Foden. And I think, you know, he knew that the rush was coming from Utah and they were going to target on Bennett because most of the, the match Bennett was doing the exit kicks. So to go to the short side of the field and, and give it to a guy like Foden who can get a kickoff quickly, I thought was a, a good move from a, a rookie guy. Uh, Rob, what are your thoughts? So, um, you know, Derek hit up on the scrum and the significance of it. I mean, uh, I think, number one, uh, Utah uh, hit that scrum hard in the beginning. In the first 20 minutes, they had two dominant scrum wins. Uh, And then the critical one, to me, it came at 38 minutes. There was a scrum uh, penalty on Rooney at the five-meter for an early drive. uh, And that launched uh, to Avao try right before the half. And so now they're only down by two. And I think it, you know, just kind of breathed life into – um, the Utah the Utah game. Uh, they never led until the very end of the game, right? And that's been pretty consistent over the last couple of games for them, right? They, they don't lead, they don't lead, they don't lead, and they just uh, don't give up and they stay tenacious and they stay tough and they attack and they, and they um, you know, really put you on your heels and they take advantage of, of some of those situations. One of the things, I mean, for me, I think the key was personnel in this game. It, it really was. And, and you guys talked about some specific situations to, you know, the Dylan Fawcett injury, uh, some of the other players, you know, playing uh, prop playing 75 minutes, which is unheard of in this day and age. It really is. Uh, but, um, you know, Utah only used one sub uh, up to the first 40 minutes. Right. Whereas I think Rooney had used almost all, but one sub Ram- uh, Remescue. Uh, came in later in the game. And mm-hmm. and that just, I think, tipped the balance, right? You know, um, Utah has that uh, energy that, you know, you have Mikey uh, Teo coming in, you have Cruze coming in that really injects some life and energy into the game. And we saw that with uh, not just uh, two quick taps, or sorry, one quick tap, but two quick taps by Mikey Teo 
uh, when Rooney's napping and really took a, took advantage of of those situations to put Rooney on their heels and you know continue to keep the ball in in Rooney's half and put pressure on them. So I think that was um, those were some of the things that I noticed. Um, you know, um, uh, Rooney's only two points behind though in 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 the conference. Uh, you know, in spite of the loss, and I think uh, for Rooney fans, you got to be you got to come away at least feeling a little bit stronger about your position in the conference as a result. And I want to shout out Ali Khalifi. I think this is the third try he scored in three games. Yeah. Um, so he's really putting it down for us, for us big men. Um, I think, uh, you know, it was a, it was a tough one. And, you know, Rooney had a chance to, to make it, uh, you know, almost a two score game. Uh, Harry Bennett, I, I don't know how much time was left. I want to say maybe 10 minutes had a penalty Missed penalty uh, at, at uh, 67, 20. Yeah, but got to be honest, Rob. You're, if you remember where that was located on the field, you know, tough. to the right. Yeah, it's a tough kick from probably forty-five meters out. You know, with the wind, that's kind of going across his his face a little bit. Um, if if you guys aren't familiar with Cochran, it comes like across the field. It doesn't go up and down the field. It comes across the field. Um, so it was a tough kick, and and to be honest, Harry has we've seen him make those kicks, but you know, it's it's not a given that you're going to make make those kicks. Um, so I think it just came down to ill discipline by Rooney and, and, and ill, you know, the, the, the bad poor scrounging by Rooney. And, and that kind of was what cemented uh, Utah winning. I don't, I wouldn't call it a comeback. I think it was kind of a, a slug fest. You know, it was back, it was really back and forth at no time did I think either team wasn't going to score when they had the ball, you know? So um, I think this was more of just a slug fest versus like the, the previous two Utah matches were, which were little come come from behind victories. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, and I don't mean to make a come from behind victory like last week, but uh, the fact that they never once led in the match, you know, there were, I think twice I saw where they were twice it was tied, but you know, to, to actually having never led in the game until um, you know, the 76th minute when they, you know, uh, came back and 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 put those points in the board of Cruze's um, try. I, I'd like to throw a little shout out. You know, the thing I'm always giving love to is those guys that came through the draft, and um, you know, get an opportunity to shine. You know, it's good to see a guy like you know, free agent like Connor Buckley get an opportunity to get some minutes in. I, I I'd love to see that. But I was really, really, really pleased to see uh, Derek Ellington uh, get mm-hmm. some minutes. Uh, and significant minutes, and I and I yeah. thought you really, I really saw it like three times when he really uh, found some space, found some gaps. He was, you know, involved in uh, a good run of play there with several offloads um, there at the end. So uh, kudos to him for for getting some uh, some quality minutes and and really showing his talents on the on the field. Ellingson yeah, I think he played the most meters gained for Utah or out of anybody, I guess, in the entire game too. Yeah. So he made the most out of uh, the touches that he got too. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And uh, it was a great match to, to watch, even though it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. Um, Mike was there with us. It was one of those matches where it was, you're on the edge of your seat and you're having heart palpitations. So uh, those are those are always good ones. And uh, it, it was fun to watch. And I'm glad it again. It seems as though we've hit the that stride in the MLR where we're having these exciting matches. And it's not just one match a week. It's several matches a week and the matches are tight. Um, and I love it, baby. Um, that great analysis, fellas. I think we, I think we hit every nail on the head on this particular match. Um, again, both uh, teams are still uh, number two in their conferences. They still got a ways to go to, to be number one, and you never know they could slip out of that number two position uh, and lose their 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 place in the playoffs. I know Rob's hoping for that. I know Derek <laughs> is still living on a prayer because uh, I don't think Toronto's <laughs> mathematically out yet. But you know they no, they're no, getting... they, they, they are now they are now oh, they, 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 they are there now. Go. Thanks to who? 
Um, well, I mean, <laughs> Nola, um, Rooney didn't, uh, I guess Rooney lost. So Rooney was actually helpful. Thanks, Scott. Um, so, yeah, Rooney was actually helpful. Um, Atlanta won. So it's, uh, yeah, all combination, I guess. I blame every team in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> You can't bl- you can't blame Rumi. You beat us the first time, and then we helped you out by losing this week. And- <laughs> oh, you know what? That's fair. That's fair. Everybody except Rooney. I blame everyone. Rooney's cool. Rooney can. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And uh, if you want to see more of us, if you want to see what we're doing, check us out on social media at Rugby Rant Pod. Follow us on Facebook. Rate, review, subscribe on Apple iTunes. Subscribe on uh, Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, if you want more of us, you know. We're here uh, Monday nights on the RPK. Uh, we we do uh, interviews with coaches, players, any, you know anybody associated with the rugby in North America. Uh, this past week we did Stan South, who is the lock for OGDC, um, and we have great slew of guests coming up um, in the next couple weeks. Uh, and please, again, just follow us. We have some fun. Check out our TikTok videos. Check out our Super Brew League. Um, every week you can win a weekly prize on our Super Brew League. I think currently I'm still number one, knock on wood. Uh, I think Doug, our buddy Doug Wilkie is number two, and he's trying to catch up with me. Uh, so those crazy Canadians aren't out of uh, out of that tournament yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, and listen, guys, it's been I, a I'm not sure which is worse, to hear you gloat about uh, you know, how you're doing in Super Brew <laughs> or to hear Benji gloat about how he's doing in Super Brew. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so here's come on, Doug Wilkie. Cheater <laughs> or no cheater, come on, Doug Wilkie. I find if our, our buddy Benji Haswell wins like three weeks in a row, but he's still like only in the top 12, and I've been consistently number one <laughs> in overall uh, for a long time. But anyway, um, guys, thank you so much for being on the show. This was a great episode, and I appreciate it. Um, I'm Scott, the big guy, Ferrara. That's Rob, the hammer, Hammerschmidt. For Mike, the grand poobah, Parazzini. Derek Brissett and our buddy Ty Braga, who couldn't be with her with us here tonight. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you at the next. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.